0: FT Live and Chris Simpson. And he's back for the second straight Wednesday and he's picking up the mug just in time to flash that merch. What's up Chris? I missed you, buddy. Let's get I know. I I
1: miss you too. I know. It's like there's so much to talk about. It's like the season started and I want to be like, we need to do our show. What's going on? Let's get get in, dive into this stuff. So, uh, I'm glad we're doing this.
0: We will be back on Peacock and NBCSN after the Olympics. Now, specifically when after the Olympics is still a matter of discussion and debate, but until August 16th, August 16 is when we will be back. August 16, Matt Casey says, chiming in from the bleachers, August 16, we'll be back on Peacock and NBCSN. Lock it in until it changes again. All right, let's get to it. Uh, The Colts, my God, the Colts are cursed. I thought the horseshoe was a symbol of luck. They have had quarterback issues ever since Andrew Luck retired. And now Carson Wentz with the broken bone in the foot surgery requiring five to 12 weeks, a, a very broad range of when he may return. And then on Monday, Quentin Nelson gets his foot stepped on. He's got the same injury with the same procedure with the same expected duration of five to 12 weeks. What in the hell, Chris? You know, somebody asked me earlier today, are the Colts already done? I think it's too early to make proclamations, because if you're going to have this stuff happen, at least have it happen in camp where you can make a plan. If it happens week one, then you really are screwed.
1: Right, right. And it, it, listen, this is a good football team. Chris Ballard has built depth throughout the roster. Yeah, it's, it's Quentin Nelson, who's definitely the best or one of the five best offensive linemen in all of football. And we know what Carson Wentz is capable of. And I think they were excited about it. So it's a huge blow that way. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not like sitting here going, oh, the Colts are done. It's over. You know, no, not, not at this point. I'm not. Now, you know, then m- they might have to weather the storm the first four weeks and not really be the team that we think they might be capable of being. But uh, by, no, by no shape or form or anything like that, am I, I'm not counting the Colts out quite yet.
0: One thing, though, to keep in mind, and when you look at the contenders in the AFC, which is very top-heavy this year, Bills, Patriots, Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Colts, Titans, Chargers, Chiefs, that's nine teams right there that would all potentially be good enough to get to the playoffs and win postseason games. There's only seven spots. So you don't have much of a margin for error. And if you lose some games early that you could have maybe won if you had Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, that puts more pressure on the Colts later and it makes it harder to keep up with everyone else.
1: Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, we know the AFC is deep. It's got a lot of talented quarterbacks. We got teams, like you said, you know, that there's the chargers and Justin Herbert, who we think might jump on the scene. The Raiders are trying to, you know, jump into the scene a little bit and do that. But like, you know, the, the Colts, I'll say this, You know, like you said, it is going to be about that early season, especially the first five games. Man, Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens. Wow. That's as tough as it gets in the NFL this year. But I'll also say this to defend the Colts a little bit. And listen, who plays a quarterback is going to be a big question. All right? That is. But this team did go to the playoffs last year. You know, two years before that was in the playoffs as well with Andrew Luck. It is a team that has a little bit of a culture and a know-how of how to win football games so you know they'll figure out a new formula and here's here's the big to me the big silver lining more than anything mike i have some really good inside info and a contact that's very familiar with everything that's gone over the colts and they really seem to think that there's a good chance wentz could be back by week one and i don't think they're expecting him much later than week two or three at the very worst i think they were very encouraged by what they saw in the surgery It wasn't as bad as thought. It was a a chipped bone fragment is what I was told. So for their their sake, hopefully uh, those guys are okay. And we get to see the best version of that team.
0: Well, and that raises another point because Quentin Nelson, who's had his surgery, very aggressive in his belief that he will get back in five weeks. And that gives me a little bit of concern because if you're too anxious about getting back, you may not do everything you need to do. There's a point where you need to rest. There's a point where you need to let the healing process go. And if you are too determined to get back and if you don't want too much, that's when you set the stage for it taking longer or a potential re-injury that creates a new timeline altogether.
1: No, I think that's very real. Listen, this is one thing, Mike, that I think I've told you before, but I learned in New England, like Bill, especially with marquee players, never rush them back. It was like, you know, you you have, we had all those years where Gronkowski was, right, was banged up, things like that. Gronk would practice for a week, and you'd go, oh, he looks pretty good. He's probably going to play next week. And he'd have another good week of practice, and you'd go, oh, he's definitely going to start this week. And Belichick would go, yeah, we're going to give him another week or two. We're going to make sure it's totally 100%. We're not going to just, you know, risk one of our best players for one or two games. Still got to keep your eye on the big picture of things. And, Yeah. They got some issues on the left side of the line. Some unanswered questions over there, but I think they'll be okay. It's still a very good offensive line and a lot of talent to go around with it. But Jacob Eason, that's a big question mark when you're talking about some of those defenses they might have to play early on in the year.
0: Back during the offseason program when every glass is half full, everyone's in the best shape of their life, every team potentially is going to be 17-0, there were some glowing comments about Jacob Eason and how he has improved. And so the question becomes, do you go next man up with Jacob Eason if Carson Wentz isn't available or do you do the obvious Nick Foles, Frank Reich reunion, given what it may do to Carson Wentz to have Foles back in the building? That to me, I think is a threshold question Colts have to deal with. And they've said they're content with who they have, but some of that may just be posturing so they don't get hijacked by the bears in what would be a trade for Nick falls.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think like uh, uh, for my money, Mike, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but there's no way if I'm the Colts, am I looking at Nick falls? There's no way. I'm just not going to bring that into the building and start that whole atmosphere. Once again, put that pressure on Carson Wentz. I think there's a real belief by Frank Reich and Chris Ballard that Wentz can be a special quarterback. And you know, hey, they traded some assets away to get the guy. They're taking a risk. You know, this this would, you know, make it even riskier about the mental aspect, dividing the locker room, all those type of things. So I think the Colts stand pat. And then maybe as camp goes by, if there's another veteran that they might think comes available or something like that, then maybe you see that. But I think they're going to evaluate Jacob Eason and Hunley right now and see what they got. You know, Mike. Eason has big talent, like his arm is real. It's the real deal. He can make every throw on the field from that standpoint with the Colts, where they like to push the ball down the field, run it, play action, take shots. He can, he can do that. It's just, you know, will he mess it up? Does he understand the offense? Does he know how to play NFL football? Those are the things you're going to have to find out in the preseason.
0: One of the things we know about general manager, Chris Ballard, and we both really respect and admire He kept that steady hand. He's not going to overpay. A right. He's not going to overpay for a trade possibility. He's going to do what's in the best interest of the team. And that includes not losing sight of tomorrow in your effort to try to bolster your chances today. And I think that serves him well. Philip Rivers' name came up earlier. He recently told Sam Farmer the LA Times that he's going to keep himself ready. And maybe in the late stage of the regular season, flash postseason, he could return Chris, that's a hell of a dynamic. Now, whether it's the Colts or someone else, I look at it this way. You got 14 playoff teams. You got the possibility if someone has a fluke injury like a Derek Carr Christmas Eve broken leg from several years ago, instead of relegating yourself to a guy that you really don't believe in, there's Phillip Rivers ready to go.
1: I think that's the scenario I would see Phillip Rivers jumping into. I think that's the perfect one playoff caliber football team, late injury, late season injury. We don't want to turn over the keys to the car to some inexperienced guy here in the middle of the playoff run. And maybe he does that. I don't see anybody banging the door down for Phillip rivers right now. I don't think the Colts are going to do that. Of course, either, just because, Hey, I think they saw what they needed to see from Phillip rivers last year. You know, his inability to stretch the field and maximize what they have on their offense. I don't think fits them, but yeah, interesting. I was shocked to hear him say that, Mike. And I, I think you kind of laid out the right scenario where I would envision, you know, maybe him entertaining that past prospect of coming back late in the year.
0: And as our friend PFT commenter astutely observed, this is what happens when, for the first time in your life, you're home with your nine kids. <laughs> you start thinking about the escape route, and there is <laughs> right. one for Phillip Rivers before too long. The Cowboys, in theory, could be one of the teams that late in the year would – potentially give Philip Rivers a phone call. Dak Prescott, currently unavailable to practice because of a shoulder strain. Now, the way he tells it, he didn't warm himself up. He went out and did a long throw, and he felt something in his shoulder. I know your dad's theory is, as he's worried about the recovering broken ankle, he's maybe compensating and maybe not focusing the way he should on the other body parts. What's your take on how Prescott got to this point and how careful should the Cowboys be with this?
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're saying they're being careful. You know, uh, the first thing, and of course I agree with my dad, this is something I've talked about, you know, with him a lot here. I I think the, the first thing is, yeah, there's an overcompensation because of, you know, the broken right ankle dislocation of the ankle and everything like that. It's his right leg. That's his back leg. That's what he pushes with and gets all the power from. So if that's not 100% or you're a little reluctant to really push off of it and drive and use that lower half of your body that way, then you know, Mike, then it becomes, wait, let me find something else to give myself a little bit more power or something like that. It's very, very rare. My whole life, you know, I'm obsessed with quarterbacks and throwing and technique and all of that to hear lat, lat injury for throwing for a quarterback is really rare so that to me in itself almost says he was doing something a little different outside the normal realm of his mechanics to kind of compensate for a weakness in his body still you can still see there's a little bit of a you know even in training camp clips he's not a hundred percent moving the way he was I think we talked about that in the spring so you know I'm going to be interested to see where this goes and how long It is before he starts to throw legit again. Because like I said, that's a rare one for a thrower to pull the lat muscle.
0: And, you know, they don't have that veteran presence that they had last year with Andy Dalton. And it makes you wonder whether they will be thinking about making a move at some point between now and week one to have someone ready to go in the event that even if this doesn't linger into the regular season, you want to be ready for something else to happen, if nothing else, the Cowboys learned last year that your starting quarterback can indeed be gone at any moment, even if it's a guy who would never missed a game his entire career. Mike, maybe that's
1: where Nick Foles comes into play. Maybe that's a team that looks at it, you know, as it goes on and goes, wait, we got all this firepower, all these stars on offense. You know, do we really want to go, oh, wait, Dak might miss a game here or there. We're going to hand it over to guys that can't really capitalize on the talent of that offense all the way. You know, I think that's that's worth a thought, at least, or something to keep an eye on as we go through training camp.
0: And I still do think there's value in having a presence in the quarterback room of someone who's got more experience than your starter. Now, sure. the, the, Dak Prescott is in year six, so it's not like it was a few years ago. And I remember when he was a rookie, Mark Sanchez was his, his main mentor and, and he learned a lot because Sanchez had been in the league a lot longer. So I think something like that would be useful. And Nick Foles, a Super Bowl MVP, that would make sense. And, and uh, uh, you just got to be ready uh, with someone in the event that there is an injury to Dak Prescott. In New England, they've got two starting caliber quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. I've been keeping a close eye on this one. This one fascinates me because the Patriots really like Cam Newton. But if they liked him as much as they seem... To project they wouldn't have used the 15th overall pick on Mac Jones and everyone wonders when Jones is going to supplant Cam Newton what are you looking for in this competition that for now isn't a competition because Newton's the guy but it just feels inevitable that at some point Mac Jones is going to leapfrog I
1: I just uh, I think it's going to have to take a mistake or you know blunders crapping down his leg whatever it is by Cam Newton to lose the starting job—that's that's what I'll say. Yeah, welcome back. It's good to be yes. back together.
0: Crapping his bed and crapping down is like at the same time standing yes. on the bed and yes, uh,
1: yeah. It, it, it'll be, to me would would take that kind of thing. First off, you and I both know New England's reluctant to play young players. They make them earn their way. They have to know everything. And as smart as we know Mac Jones is and everything like that, this is the quarterback position. You know, the second aspect I look at to where, you know, I I see some people on TV going, oh, well, Mac Jones, you know, they love him, like you said, and this is going to be a running team, and they're going to get the third and five a lot, and then he'll pick you apart and do those things. Okay, I understand that. But let's, like, let's go back to what we talked about a lot in the spring. I mean, Cam Newton's going to be a different quarterback in this system this year. He's had a full year now, finally, to digest it all. He has a full offseason where McDaniels can talk to him. And really, for McDaniels' sake, he's had a full offseason in of a year to really know what Cam Newton's all about so he can formulate the offense the correct way around him. So I, I just look at it as like Cam Newton's going to have to mess this up for Mac Jones to be the starter. I really do. And especially with the way the team's built, Mike, like we've talked about too. They're an unbelievable offensive line, maybe the best run-blocking O-line at all of football running is going to be their bread and butter. And you add the Cam Newton running aspect to that, it makes them very hard to defend. And I just would find it hard to believe that he won't be more polished of a passer and better in all other areas this year as well.
0: Our colleague Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston had a column recently with observations about the speed with which the two quarterbacks get through the play that's called, that Mac Jones is already doing what the offense requires and that Cam Newton is taking longer to make the decision about football. And Newton says, Hey, look, it's still early in training camp and this is what training camp is for. But I feel like the speed with which that clock Chris moves and reading the field and making your decision and getting rid of the football, which guy is doing it the way the offense dictates the way the coaching staff wants to see it. That's got to be a big factor in how long Cam Newton holds the top spot on the depth chart.
1: Uh, agreed. I mean, there's no doubt that's a big aspect. You know, Mac Jones, we know, you know, that's his best thing. That's the thing that I think, like, put everybody in awe in the evaluation process was, holy crap, this is the quickest decision maker and dissector of defenses we've seen come out of college football. You know, him and Joe Burrow, like we talked about, let alone his ability to process it and then make the appropriate throw, just with split-second you know, awareness, that is special. There's no doubt. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be as good as stuff like that with Mac Jones. But I think the, the point is they'll formulate when they really solidify and go, okay, wait, Cam Newton's our quarterback. He'll have less of that in the offense. You know, they won't, they won't do some of that. They'll make it a little bit more play action, look at this guy, look at this guy, if they're not open, run, do something like that. They're not going to expect him to be as good as Mac Jones in some of those areas. But we know Cam can improve on it for sure. But I just think, again, with the running backs, the offensive line, the two tight ends they have, I just look at the team on paper and go, they want to bludgeon people and get people up at the line of scrimmage. And then it's going to be Cam Newton shots over here, fake a run here. There goes Cam Newton there. And I think that's the most dangerous way they can play football this year. And that's why I think it'll be Cam Newton.
0: Three preseason games and then three regular season games that are the prologue to Sunday night, October 3, oh. back in town. And look, Bill Belichick will never admit it, but at some level, he's got to be thinking, which of the, these two guys come October 3 will give me the better chance of beating Tom Brady?
1: I, I, listen, I, they're competitors. You know, my experience with New England and those coaches up there is, you know, they never put the cart in front of the horse. I think I said that the right way. They're just going to focus on what they got to do right now. They know they got New England and all that and the storylines and everything. But I've never seen a more focused organization in my life. And, you know, I've been around a bunch of them to where they just never let those things creep in. I've never seen anything like it. You would think even I was there for a year and a half And I thought, well, I'll see something. It'll creep in. These guys aren't perfect. It's unbelievable. It's truly like day by day, 110%. That is the way they work. And I don't think they'll get too infatuated with that game until that time comes and they'll evaluate their team where it is at that time.
0: All right. Uh, Another major topic in the NFL, an unsettled quarterback situation in Houston. And before we delve into Deshaun Watson, let's just say, and I'll say this on behalf of Chris because I know he agrees with me, There are serious off-field issues, 22 lawsuits alleging misconduct during massage therapy sessions, 10 criminal complaints, two of which are from women who have not yet sued Deshaun Watson. That process moves forward. I'm told Watson's camp is very concerned about the inevitability of a grand jury and the possibility of an indictment. So there are real issues that cloud Deshaun Watson's football future. But Chris, I can't figure out what the Texans are currently doing. He's there. He's not on the practice field. They haven't traded him. I feel like they're waiting for something they're never going to get. And whether the league puts him on paid leave or not, I think the Texans are just going to keep him around, pay him and not play him until they decide the time is right to get the kind of trade package that they want. And I don't see anybody rushing to do a deal because I don't think anyone wants to inherit all the uncertainty that currently is swirling around Deshaun Watson.
1: I, I, I mean, I'm with you there. I, there is a sense, Mike, and I know you and I have texted about this from teams in the league that think like nothing's going to happen to Watson here or that this is all, you know, that the NFL, he's not going to get suspended for a year. There is that sense out there, which I'm shocked by. And I, I, I got to think that, of course, you know, any team that's really in trade talks or even thinking about Deshaun Watson, you got to be scared of what if or what could happen down the road. And the other thing is like, I would think any team, including Nick Casario and the Texans, are gun-shy as hell to pull the trigger on anything right now. You know, Nick Casario, let's put ourselves in his shoes. You know, he's sitting there going, wait, the situation's a disaster. Yeah, I'd like to get rid of him. But what he trades him away for less than market value, right? And then Deshaun Watson's playing this year and has an unbelievable year. Nick Casario has egg on his face then. He looks like an idiot. You know, you hear the Eagles and the Dolphins rumor to the Watson conversation a lot. Same thing with them. If they trade too much, it's just the opposite story. They trade too much, and then Watson gets suspended or has issues. Everybody goes, oh, you know, Chris Greer, Howie Roseman, you guys are idiots. Why would you do this? So I I think this is, again, this, like, just has to play out a little bit more before anybody feels comfortable about making a big-time move.
0: And keep an eye on the Panthers. I was told yesterday the Panthers are still monitoring the situation very carefully. David Tepper, the owner of the team constantly looking for a franchise quarterback. Watson is one. And if he can buy low, that's, that's how he made his billions. Buy low, sell high. If he could get to Sean Watson, he may be inclined to give it a try. And the, the reality, Chris, is this. If a grand jury is impaneled, and I don't think if is the question, it's when. Then the question becomes, will there be some sort of a felony indictment? Now, of all the women who have made claims, a very, very small handful are alleging forcible misconduct. And that's the thing that could ultimately be a problem. And in a grand jury setting where it's just one-sided, the accused has no lawyer there to push back. If the prosecutor really wants to get an indictment, the prosecutor can. And I think that's one of the big things right now that complicates the process. And it gets back to what I said early on. Watson should have taken his reckoning. He should have found a way to get all these women into a room with a mediator. And should have said what's it going to take for each one to make this right I acknowledge that I behaved in a way that I shouldn't have. And for each individual, what does it take to make it right and put this behind him, take the medicine, learn the lesson and move on. Because once the criminal process begins, it takes on a life of its own. And who knows where that's going to end now.
1: No, I I know who knows where it's gonna end. You're right. I mean, you were all over it from the start about, you know, what Watson should have done. but. You know that's gone now, and I, you know, I don't know where this goes. This is it's is one of the craziest story scenarios. I feel like we just usually have a little bit of a feel for where the NFL is going. I feel like people like you and me usually hear rumors about what the NFL might do, and I just I hear nothing right now, and I think that's why we're just in this stalemate, you know, right, right now between who wants to trade for him. Do the Texans really want to pull the trigger and do it? But I will say this, I agree with what you, you wrote on Pro Football Talk today. I mean, poor David Cully. Holy crap. Can somebody take a little pressure off the guy and go out and, like, be in a little few more press conferences so he doesn't have to answer the same questions that he really has no control over anyways? I mean, come on. That, that's I feel bad for that damn guy right now.
0: Well, and, and I feel like they're not even telling him what's going on because they don't trust him to not blurt it out. Because remember, back <laughs> in March, he blurted it out yeah, on, yeah. on a podcast appearance. That, that created the impression that they're willing to trade him at a time when they were trying to create the impression they're not willing to trade him. So, yeah, whoever's making these decisions should be the one who's out there answering the questions to the media, not David Culley, who's trying to, to get his sea legs as he becomes an NFL head coach for the first time. Right. So it's not fair to him, and dysfunction continues to to pervade the, the Texans organization. Uh, the 49ers, let's wrap up with that. Everyone paying attention to Trey Lance. He had a great play yesterday in the first padded practices that made the rounds all over social media. He got one rep with the first team offense on the design run. But now Jimmy Garoppolo, they're praising Jimmy Garoppolo. He's responding very well. The uh, John Lynch, the GM of the team, going on and on about how Garoppolo is doing. I, I just, I don't, and I can't, and I never have been able to, and I never will be able to reconcile investing three first round picks and a third round pick in a quarterback and hoping that he is the proverbial red hot poker to the guy that you'd like to get rid of.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's nice. They could say all they want as far as that's you know concerned and all that. Come on. You know, you and I have hit this a lot. The writing's on the wall. They don't want Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. I mean, how many signs do we need? So yes, it's great. Jimmy Garoppolo is practicing well, but You're starting like we've seen the last few days. Trey Lance picking it up. There's a little bit more talk. You know, he's understanding the offense, all those things. My my take on this, Mike, and I know everybody thinks I know something. I don't know anything here. My take would be Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to be, I think, phenomenal to keep the job. That's how I kind of look at it. You know, even like yesterday, you talked about just there how Trey Lance got an opportunity to get behind the first team O-line. You know, he makes a few plays. I just have a hard time think. you know, like that was a perfect little glimpse into Shanahan's brain, in my opinion. Because if you read his quote, too, he just wanted to see how they blocked it up with the quarter. He's This is like his new toy. And Shanahan loves the run game. He's weird. He's different than any, every other offensive coordinator in football. Run, run game excites him more than pass game. And I think – You know, he's going to be chomping at the bit about what he can do schematically, you know, with Lance in the run game. He'll be able to, if he can get Lance up to speed and he feels comfortable with the run game, he'll be able to create enough basic looks by the defense to make the pass game easy on Trey Lance. So I kind of look at it like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to continue or going to have to continue to be absolutely awesome to keep the job, Mike. I I really do look at that. And I still look at that week six by week, you know, if the 49ers are three and two and Garoppolo hasn't been great, or even if they're four and one and maybe he hasn't been great. I think you could see Trey Lance. That's when they put him in against the Colts and the bears and, and see, see that era begin.
0: 25 million is a lot to pay to Jimmy Garoppolo. His salary locks in is guaranteed. If he's on the roster week one, I still don't rule out the possibility of them putting the squeeze on him to take less or if there is a Teddy Bridgewater style late training camp, preseason injury, a door opens to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and unload the $25 million and get some value and rebuild the draft picks given up to get Lance. I was looking for the quote that Kyle Shanahan gave to Peter King when Peter was visiting 49ers camp, but, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, Kyle was impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo in this training camp, but he said, last year in training camp, Jimmy wasn't at his best. And that's the first time that I've gotten the impression that it wasn't just the guys too injury prone, that something happened last year, you know, a complacency maybe set in the year after the Super Bowl run that left Kyle Shanahan a little bit dismayed, that Jimmy wasn't as prepared as he needed to be for the season. And maybe that's another one of the reasons why they've decided to make this move. So it's not just he can't stay healthy. It's that, you know, he got a little too got a little too comfortable, rested on his laurels, read his press clippings, insert your cliche here. And and he was alarmed by that. And he wants somebody who's going to be driven all the time. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I think that's, it's been alarming for a, for a while. You know, just just think about it. Like, think about two training camps ago, not last year, but the year before that, that was what the Broncos training camp, right? When he threw five interceptions, there was a lot of reports during that training camp of like, less than or below average practice play by Jimmy Garoppolo. Then I think if you add in the fact, Mike, to where you're going with this, you talk about the playoff run that you've talked about so much where they basically just were like, oh, gosh, we're scared to let you do anything. Let's hand the ball off every time. The way he played the second half of the Super Bowl. And then, okay, now you come back. And most great quarterbacks in training camp would be the opposite. Like, man, we lost the Super Bowl. I'm going to be all over every detail. I'm so motivated, everything like that. And then when you hear something like that, yeah, that's going to crush a guy like Shanahan, McDaniel, Sean Payton. They're going to be like, what? We lost the Super Bowl. We are this close. And now we're going to be, you know, rusty and not detailed in practice. So I think when you just look at it as an outsider like I am, it just all goes together to where there's a the frustration. And then the injuries on top of that and everything like that. And yeah, that's why they invested in this Trey Lance trade. That's why they look to trade for Stafford and Watson and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously there's a dislike of Jimmy Garoppolo or something they don't feel confident in. And I don't know, Mike, I'll ask you this. Do you think there's any way, I I mean, like they play the lions and the Eagles to start the year. I mean, it's not the worst teams to start a rookie quarterback against and you unveil an offense that that team's not going to be able to prepare for or no. I, I, again, I'm just, I'm not going to put it out of uh, the realm of possibilities that Lance is starting week one. I think Shanahan will game plan for him in the preseason and get the team behind him about some of the things he can do, you know, with his physical ability.
0: Chris, one thing that we've learned time and again, following the NFL close that you can never take anything that is said at face value. And it's yeah. possible that the 49ers are still in the mode of, hype Jimmy G, pump Jimmy G, get someone to give us something for the last two years of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract so we can move on. And until he's on the roster week one and that 25 million is guaranteed, I'm not going to believe that it's something other than just an effort to get someone to take Michael Scott's Hand knitted oven knit, if you remember the season two Christmas episode, Yankee Swap, Nasty Christmas, the idea that you're trying to dupe someone into taking this guy, that this is what all this this positivity is about, because we know they want to turn the page. And the idea of giving all that up to get Trey Lance, and then that makes Jimmy Garoppolo into the best version of himself, and he plays so well that Trey Lance spends one or two years on the bench, that's not an acceptable outcome. it's not. No.
1: No, no, it's, it's not. I'm with you. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. I, and, you know, I think the big thing is, because you're hitting on a r- lot of the right things, I, I just think it does them no harm to be positive about Jimmy Garoppolo. It helps within the locker room. It makes it still look like, you know, to Jimmy Garoppolo's little fan base within the locker room, hey, we still like him, we're supporting him. You know, if Trey Lance does falter in training camp, it's like, hey, they can still go, hey, we supported Jimmy through this the whole time. We saw what we liked, all those type of things. I think there's your possibility, like you're talking about, of course, to keep the trade options alive and everything like that. And I think at the very least, they can look at it, even if Trey Lance was the starter, with his contract with Jimmy G, it still wouldn't add up to the top quarterbacks of football. And they can look at it and go, damn, we got a Super Bowl team, and we need to keep a viable backup here so our our season doesn't go down the drain like it did the last few years. So maybe if one of these other quarterbacks shows that they could be a really great backup or do something like that, maybe Garoppolo does get put on the, the trade market a little bit towards the end of training camp. But I, unless that doesn't happen, I think they're gonna keep both of these guys because of the ins- for insurance for their, their good football team.
0: And Chris, the wild card in all of this is the manner in which the other players in the locker room react to Lance, yeah. And if a groundswell develops that Lance is the better guy, that we know why they gave up all that to get him. Hey, Jimmy, we love you, but good Lord, we've got a generational talent here in Trey Lance. If that happens between now and week one, you can't not play Trey Lance.
1: I, I, I think there's a real possibility of that. I do.
0: And I would be
1: shocked again, where I would bet you Shanahan game plans a little bit in the preseason to make Trey Lance look good for all the reasons we're talking about all the trade assets they gave away, everything about it, just how polarizing the pick was everything to where I think he's going to have a few plays that maybe you don't usually call in the preseason or you don't try to screw over the other team's defense. But I think all because of that. And like, Mike, you, you, you're right. I mean, he makes another scrambling 50-yard bomb throw, and then Shanahan calls some quarterback design run in preseason game two, and we see him break off a 30-yard run and a 50-yard run. It's going to get everybody excited, and it's going to get everything behind him, and that's where I then go, whoa, what's going to happen here in San Francisco? Because that – it's going to be a lot of good stuff for you and I to talk about, for sure. There was
0: a preseason game that I believe was televised by NBC involving the 49ers and the Vikings, and it may have been Colin Kaepernick's rookie year. If not his rookie year, it was his second year before he became the starter, and they had a design run for Kaepernick, and he was shot out of a cannon and gone. And that, for a lot of people, was the first time that the eyes opened, and it was like, whoa, this guy's right, right. And we may that that's why, you know, you and I have mixed feelings about the preseason. But the one thing that we agree on more than anything else, it gives us a chance to see these young quarterbacks, do right. they pass the eyeball test? How do they intermingle with the NFL talent? And it's going to be fun to see what Trey Lance does.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to be all about how much he can understand the offense, digest it all, get in and out of the huddle, do the right things at the line of scrimmage. And then when he does all that right can his physical ability shine? And can he put pressure on Garoppolo that way? You know, we'll we'll see. Uh, But I I think Shanahan's not the type of coach that's going to be scared to pull the trigger to start a young, talented quarterback if he thinks he's ready. If he thinks he's ready, I don't think he's that type. Uh, I think maybe a lot of coaches in football might be a little reluctant to do that, but I don't think Shanahan's one of those guys. And that's why uh, they're definitely one of the stories to watch in in the NFL this preseason.
0: One of the many compelling stories as we get closer and closer to week one, We're getting closer and closer to the return of two hours per day, four days per week on five of DFT Live. Chris, thanks for doing this, and thanks to you out there for paying attention to us. We'll see you again Rich. See ya.